0: Pastor Xavier Reese tells us why the Bible is instrumental in following God. And they will walk with me. Jesus says, walk
1: speaks of fellowship with God. Walking speaks of oneness with God. Amos the prophet says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3. One rhetorical question, one rhetorical answer is correct. No, we agree with God. He does not agree with us. We agree with the scriptures. Okay? Your ability to live the life of Christ depends on the power of the Spirit of God. You're yielding
0: to it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Church history is full of incredible movements that have given birth to numerous denominations, but today many of them remain powerless. Coming up, Pastor Xavier talks about the things that can kill a church. Let's join him as he takes us back to his study series of the book of Revelation for today's important simple truths contained in a message titled, The Dead Church, Sardis.
1: The first four churches of Revelation have given us a good picture of what churches can turn into through imperfect men that are over the church, being sinners like all others in the church. Uh, Churches and individuals can be Ephesians, who are loveless, Smyrnans, who are suffering, Pergamums, who are worldly, or third tyrants, who are pagans. And this is consistently true of all seven churches giving us an opportunity to examine our own lives now at this point. Now the fifth church, Sardis, is a church that was um, not threatened by heresy, paganism, or immorality as its main problem, but a danger of self-deception, by not depicting and depending on the Holy Spirit coming to a spiritual state of deadness. This is the heart of this church. Linsky, the Greek scholar, says, quote, Sardis suffered from spiritual dry rot and deadness. If you know anything about that dry rot, a beam looks nice, then you go put your finger, you go right through it. It's decayed. It has no substance. Rotted. Oh, how easy it is to become deceived thinking that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit when in fact we are not, as a church or as individuals. How easy it is and deceptive to um, simply writing on the accomplishments of the past and the momentum, thinking that the present is really the result of the present and it's still going on only to see one day that it comes to a screeching halt and it collapses. That doesn't happen overnight. It's progressive and it's slow, but it does come to an end. And many churches are are like that throughout history in our nation in the present day. Once again, the message, as we have said, are applicable for all times. The seven churches represent... The four things consistently, a local church in John's Day, a period of church history as we'll point out, the type of congregation that can exist from Pentecost to the rapture and the type of Christian, an individual relationship with Jesus Christ. And the pattern as we've seen is seen throughout with the exception of two. You have the proclamation, the commendation, the condemnation, the exhortation and the application and we've seen this consistently. Uh, let me read our text, then we'll get into the historical background so we can better see that the words that are chosen are fitted for this church. In chapter 3 here, verse 1 through 6, it says, And to the angel of the church of is right. these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God." Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angel. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Historical background, again, helps us in the words that are chosen for this church. Remember chapter 1. These seven churches are churches of Jesus Christ. They begin as literal churches, real churches, real Christians. The city of Sardis uh, was situated about uh, 30 miles southeast of Thyatira and about 50 miles due east of Smyrna, again, a little horseshoe Circular motion right there in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. The wealth of the city was gold and silver extracted from the sands of the River Pactolus. In the location, the city commanded a trade route of the Aegean islands, and the military roles through province was important because... uh, the the danger of of people stealing and assaulting so whenever you have wealth and everything you're gonna have some kind of military protection right there in Hermes the river valley uh, and such was the case the city had a dye industry jewelry and noted for its um carpet industry but all of its luxuries uh and it's living for luxury led to moral decadence this is the natural ladies and gentlemen Riches and wealth and luxury lead us to decadence. Doesn't mean it has to. Doesn't mean it does absolutely in every case. But majority, for the usual, this happens if we are not walking with God. It takes us away. The city sat on a northern slope of Mount Timulus, overlooking the fertile valley of the River Punctulus, which served as a, a moat for protection being known for its impregnable city that was built on the slopes uh, 1,500 feet above the lower valley on every side except for the south. So from a a strategic location and and fortress, it it seemed almost impregnable. The city was uh, burned in 501 B.C. by the Ionians, and the city fell twice, the first by Cyrus, the great in 546 BC and then in 216 BC, Antiochus the Great. In 334 BC, the city surrounded by Alexander the Great was taken, 12 years later it was uh, taken by Antigonus. So um, the words again, as we look at them, they, they, though it was strong and, and it seemed to be impregnable, yet it did have its, its uh, moments of conquest. In 190 B.C., it was part of the Pergamum Empire. Later on in A.D. 133, it formed part of the Roman province till A.D. 395. A.D. 17, an earthquake devastated the city greatly. It was rebuilt with the help of the Emperor Tiberius and completed in 26 A.D., but it struggled to remain Uh, regain its past glory and, and status so once again there came a point in time when she was great and then it was just downhill you see this with nations you see britain used to say that the sun never set on her empire now she's reduced to one little island by the time the roman period ramesses described it as quote a relic of the period of barbaric warfare which lived rather on its ancient prestige rather than on its stability to present conditions. Once again, this is a very well known about this city, and the church has to be identified with it, of its boasting and depending on the past and not maintaining that current relationship. Later, the city was restored and continued until A.D. 1400, 1403 when the uh, Tartarus uh, Tamburlain destroyed the entire area. Now, Sardis means... Escaping ones, those who came out, or a remnant. Now, the church of Sardis, we know nothing about it outside of this letter. Without doubt, again, Paul was responsible through his ministry at Ephesus, but again, we can't be certain, but without doubt, they had some influence. The name Sardis, again, is in the plural here when it directs as Sardis, and it represents um, two towns one on the plateau, the other in the valley. The church of Sardis was spiritually dead, as we've pointed out, in representing the period of church history called the Protestant Reformation. We're talking about 1500 to 1750 A.D., about 250 years. Some of those who escaped out of the pagan Roman church were Luther, Knox, Calvin, Tyndale, just to mention a few. Now, the religion of Sardis, the city had an acropolis of the Temple of Sibylle equal in size to the temple of Artemis at Ephesus, which was its main worship comparable to the goddess Diana, rising 800 feet above the north section of Sardis, but it was never finished. Now the city had a a necropolis or a cemetery of a thousand hills named because of the hundreds of burial mounds that were visible on the skyline uh, some seven miles away from Sardis. Uh, God alone saw the spiritual deadness of Sardis. You and I can look alive to each other, but God alone knows my heart where I'm at. John wrote, when he wrote this letter, he was looking to the past glory and fame of this city. This is the danger of every church and every Christian will see. I, I think of a Pasadena, uh, the gateway to the valley, pass up to pass, and... and uh, And look at all the old churches, beautiful structures. At one time, this was a thriving Christian community. Now, those places are empty. This was the historical background to Sardis. Now, the words that are addressed to Sardis will be better understood now with this historical background. We begin with the proclamation in verse 1. The identity of the recipient of the letter, again, once again, is the angel of Sardis. And Angelos, again, is the messenger, the pastor, the one residing over the congregation. Ecclesia, the church, it means those called out of darkness by the grace of God to be saved, appearing 19 times in uh, chapter 2 and 3, and only one other time in Revelation 22:16. All of them are regarding the church in 2 and 3. The church is not in the tribulation. The word is not even found from 6 to 19, Okay at all one more marking to demonstrate that now notice the identity of the writer is jesus christ in verse one still the words of jesus now they are his not john's these things says the chain of command is god the father to the son to the angel to john and to us chapter one verse one gives that very clearly as we've noted chapter one verse three the revelation was uh, one to be read the blessings to the one who reads it The uh, seven messages were to be given to every one of these churches as well as the whole book in chapter 1 verse 11. And in 1 to 19 we have the threefold division, the things he saw, the glorified Christ in chapter 1, the things that are, the church, 2 and 3. The things hereafter, 4 all the way to 19 to the end of the book, the tribulation period and the second coming of Jesus Christ. A threefold division so that if you stay to that division, the book of Revelation makes perfect sense. Now notice the identity is once again fitting our Lord identifies himself as the one who has the seven spirits of God. This goes back to chapter one, verse four. All the identity of Jesus goes back to that. Now the reference is uh, not to the seven holy spirits of God, but the sevenfold office of the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned in Isaiah eleven, two. It's the spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, spirit of fear of the Lord. And I think the last one is the reason why she's dead. She lost the fear of the Lord. You and I just lose the fear of God. You're gone. The one who gives life and directs life to the church today is the third person of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. Jesus came for 33 and a half years and he was leaving. The Holy Spirit would come and remain even through the tribulation period to save people. Now notice the Lord also identified himself as the one who has the seven stars. Chapter 1, verse 16 and 20, okay? The seven stars are held in his right hand, here of Jesus, referring that they are under his control and function under his power. At least they're supposed to be. But God doesn't force anybody to continue that That relationship. The seven stars were identified as the seven angels or the ministers of the churches who should always be dependent under the control of Jesus Christ in their ministries. Chapter 1 verse 20 is very clear. Okay, so the interpretation is given for us. We're not filling in the blank here. Sardis was a remnant, the escaping ones from pagan Rome, the uh, Protestant Reformation. And the word tells us that no one can be enlightened apart from the Holy Spirit of God. And that is why the Lord here, it's very significant as he is the one controlling those who are subject to him by free will, by their own volition, by the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit of God is the one to be directing and guiding the church and and being the one who is empowering and enabling. Having begun in the spirit, they would have to depend on the same spirit to complete that work. Uh, to be effective, to be productive, to be able to be enabled to do the things that God is directing and guiding. Paul the Apostle, you remember Galatians 3.3, 3, tells the Galatians, "Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be made perfect in the flesh? It's a rhetorical question when only one correct answer. No. You begin in the spirit, you have to continue in the spirit, and you have to end in the spirit. Are we clear on that? If there's no possibility of not doing so, why even write the letters? Why make the questions? This was the proclamation to Sardis. Now notice, secondly, we're going to jump down to verse 4. The commendation. Most commentators do not see any commendation for Sardis, yet I think there is, but it's uh, to the individual who had uh, been faithful, and it's not in the usual order here. Notice there were few names in Sardis who had not defiled their garments in verse 4. Again, note that the commendation is not to the church, but to the personal individual in the church of Sardis. Okay, the church is dead. And they are identified as few, underlying that. They are the minority, notice, and yet they were known by Jesus. They're given emphasis, notice, by the phrase, even in Sardis. The phrase, focuses on their personal commitment to the Lord. Even in the midst of the dead church, there were a few who were faithful that they had received and heard. The commitment was not dependent on the time, the pressure, or what was going on, but the power of the Spirit of God. Quit excusing yourself or your children. Well, you know, it's so much more difficult today. Just a minute. Your children have it worse than Daniel? Better be careful. Your ability to live the life of Christ depends on the power of the Spirit of God. You're yielding to it. Not the nation you're in, not the time you're living, not how bad you have it, but who is in you. They were the spiritual ones among the unspiritual, the humble among the proud, the alive among the dead. Nor the fact that they had not defiled their garments did not refer to their own righteousness but to that of Christ. For our righteousness is filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6 says, a menstrual garment. I don't care where you were the most moral person in the world, you were headed for hell. You cannot use your morality to be saved. You use Jesus Christ to be saved. Are we clear on that? The righteousness was that which had been imputed to them by grace and faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1, Ephesians 2:8-9. We're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves as a gift of God. Now, the allusion to the wool industry of Sardis cannot be missed here. Pagan worship cannot be approached to their gods with soil garments. If they had soil garments, they couldn't approach their gods. Is this, is this a coincidence or what? Of course not. The righteousness to live day by day was the imparted righteousness of Jesus. To abide and depend upon him, as John 15, 1-3 says, the vine and the branches. That I cut you off, catch you in the fire. Simple. Herodotus, the Greek historian, said that the citizens of Sardis had a reputation for lax moral standards and open licentiousness. The lives of these few were changed, being new creatures, all things pass away, everything has become new Second 2 Corinthians five seventeen. The few, circle few. The scriptures, notice, are consistent in reminding us that it will not be the majority that will enter heaven. He's talking to his church. Jesus, words, listen to him. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go and buy it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it, Matthew seven thirteen through 14. Jesus again told his disciples, fear not little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Luke twelve thirty two. Little flock, not mega church. I'm going to show you the average church in the United States, 55 to 70, 80 people, in spite of the mega churches. You make them straight across average, 55 to 75. The few would be rewarded by Jesus, notice, and they will walk with me. Jesus says, walk speaks of fellowship with God. Walking speaks of oneness with God. Amos the prophet says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3, 3. One rhetorical question, one rhetorical answer is correct. No, we agree with God. He does not agree with us. We agree with the scriptures. They would walk in white, notice, speaks of purity, righteousness, and heaven. You see it in Revelation 3, 18, 6, 11, 7, 9, and other passages here. They were worthy to walk notice, referring to the relationship to Jesus Christ, not their own, referring to the dependency on Jesus Christ, and also their obedience to Jesus Christ, referring to their salvation by grace through faith. So grace through faith is not a contradiction to being obedient, being dependent, and continuing, nor vice versa, okay? Love without doctrine is corrupted. That's why we insist on doctrine. To Do the emergent church, they don't want to talk about doctrine. That's why their love is corrupted. You must have a standard. You don't have a standard, that love is corrupted quickly. Now, let's go back to verse 1, the middle portion. Now we come to the condemnation. Notice uh, Jesus knew what they had done and were doing in the present. The word know again is Oeda. as the previous church's intellectual knowledge, I understood and it could be perceived. And uh, works is ergon. Uh, refers to that they were occupied in and they were undertaking. Jesus understands all these. He sees the things, okay? And many of them commendable. But if the heart's not right, it doesn't matter. Notice Jesus knew they had a a name that gave an appearance that they were alive. Their works had given them a reputation among the people of being Christians. Reputation is always in reference to the outward visible deeds and behavior that people can see, not inner character or motives. Character has to do with who you are inside. Reputation has to do with who you are outside. They had caught the eye of the people and had gained quite a reputable name, but the Lord was not buying it. For the Lord sees all things. He focused on the motive of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, all things are open and naked with whom we have to do. Now, their works were not good. In fact, they are mentioned for their condemnation because of the lack of heart. It's always a mistake to think that we are right with God when people compliment us. Oh, you're such a great person. Oh, really? We love that. Luke six twenty six says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, so did the fathers to the false prophets. They appeared to be alive regarding the things that God noticed. Their works were superficial evidence of being alive. Their piety gave sense of godliness. Their works were the right ones. Their church was considered Christian, but it was dying from within. This is where your life and mine begins to die if we don't continue with the Lord. From within. Not outside. Their appearance was deceptive and dangerous. She who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives, 1 Timothy 5, 6. That applies to both men and women. He just happens to use the women as an example there. Now notice, still in one, Jesus knew their real condition. They were dead. The Holy Spirit was not given its rightful place. That is why Jesus uses the reference to the seven spirits of God. The Holy Spirit was not the one doing the work, but them. There are a lot of good works going on in the church today, but it's not by the Holy Spirit. The works were professional formalism with death orthodoxy, living by the past life and fame. The one preoccupation of Sardis was with death by her um, impressive necropolis that could be seen seven miles away. And um, now became a reality for herself. She was dead as the church of Jesus Christ. Sardis is dead Protestantism, no better than pagan rome in the eyes of jesus in fact worse for it is the most severe denunciation of all seven their breaking away was not as complete as it should have been luther came out but not far enough as we'll see again the average church used to be 50 to 55 take it a little more 70 75 it's not huge across america and then take the fact that the majority of those don't believe the word of God is inerrant, infallible, as I'll show you. They don't believe in the second coming. They believe we make mistakes, but we don't sin. So everything is very subjective today. This is our society today. No objective truth, but subjectivism, because you can't be judgmental, see? The political correct language castigates you for doing so. This was a condemnation, to Sardis.
0: Mr. Xavier Ruiz calls for the Church to get back to the basics of the Word, today on Simple Truths. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online, anytime, by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this important study from the book of Revelation titled, The Dead Church Sardis. As always, they're available for just $4.00. And make sure you share this helpful insight with your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for once again is, The Dead Church Sardis. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What are the distinguishing marks of a true believer? Do you see them exemplified in yourself? Make sure you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he shares about these simple truths next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com